0: Recording in progress. Thank you all so much for joining me. Before I begin, I need to pray. Father God, I just come boldly before your throne of grace. I thank you so much for being full-time in my life. I ask that you lead me in this discussion through the power of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you so much for filling me up. I just pray to everyone that is listening that they be able to obtain your word today in a way that it stay hidden in their heart God I pray that you allow the word that is planted in their heart or watered in their life father God I pray that you allow them to improve in areas that they need improvement and also to allow us all to be able to grow and understand who you are understand what your plan is for us understand the purpose understand your will for our lives God continue to lead us In the path of righteousness, Lord, allow your word to stay hidden in our heart. Keep it embedded inside of us. Do not let it leave us, God. Let us always crave for more. Crave for more you. Crave for more of your plans for us because everything you want for us is for our good. So allow us to accept the things that you show us. Allow us to accept the things that you want us to learn from, God in jesus name but most importantly father we just ask that you allow your will to be done not our will not anyone else's will but yours in the name of jesus christ it is sealed in your blood amen thank you all so much for joining me today on Lost life and health let's talk about it so today i am going to be continuing in the discussion of women's health um so let me give me one second here. I wanted to um give me one moment. And then I'll be right back. Okay. I just needed to make sure I had posted everywhere that I needed to okay. 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 So today I wanted to start off with just, you know, just being thankful right we need to understand that god wants us to be thankful for the things that we do have we need to be thankful for the knowledge and wisdom that god has given us many times we may experience things in life where it's like you know why did i have to go through that experience why did you have to go through that why did you have to see that you know why are your family and friends going through what they're going through You know so you you know you have empathy some people you need to have sympathy for and it's just sometimes situations happen where we have to you know just be real thankful for it could it could be worse than what it is you know so just understanding the fact that our long suffering is supposed to produce character within us god is trying to teach you something in that situation so what is God specifically trying to show you? What is he trying to show you in a situation? What is he trying to show you through your experience? What is he trying to show you through your pain? What is he trying to show you through the adversity that you're experiencing? What is God trying to show you? So can you grasp the idea that God is trying to show you something to help improve you? Can you hold on and accept the fact that God is trying to teach you something in order for you to Learn from current experiences and probably grow in a new area or open up a new door in your life So God wants us to go from glory to glory to glory and he wants us to You know experience doors being open for us from for us one after the other and so I, I just think that it's so important for us as children of God to make sure that we're just staying diligent in our prayers. That we are, that we are being good, you know, stewardships of the things that God has allowed us to be. And you know, you want to make sure that you're maintaining that positive relationship with God in a way where you're not going to the throne of grace and you just always challenging God, you know, you challenging God about this and you challenging God. Well, why this and Why did this have to happen? It's like it's time for you to grow up at a level of maturity for you to understand that God is allowing things to happen to help you grow it's meant to help you grow situations occur experiences take place uh, you know adversities happen and it is a way to teach us to over become overcomers so when you are an overcomer if you go through another experience similar to that or if you see someone else going through a similar experience that you being an overcomer you can help them overcome that situation so the way that you do that is you, you, you endure long suffering through your adversities, through your problems, you know, and then after you've learned and after you've um, matured in that area, now you can move forward. You know, so many times we're going through experiences and and life trials and tribulations and they feel like, okay, so this, I, I don't understand why did this have to happen? It's like, we need to be so aware that we are aware of everything around us including the reason for the pain the reason for the hurt so pain when you look at pain let me go ahead and um share my screen for a moment okay here we go now let me share um let's look at let's look at the word pain in the Strong's concordance So the word pain is actually mentioned in the Bible 24 times, okay? And um, so the Strong's Concordance, and I know I say this almost every day because I'm always looking on the Strong's Concordance, but the Strong's Concordance is basically um, a way for us to dive deeper into a word study of the Bible. And so um, the Strong's Concordance provides us with the Hebrew translation translated over into English. Um, So the Bible is written in the Old Testament and the New Testament the Old Testament is written in the Hebrew scrolls and the New Testament is written in Greek And so the first five chapters of the Bible Which is Genesis Exodus Leviticus numbers Deuteronomy Those five books in the Bible are considered the law that's considered the Torah of the Bible It tells you everything about the law in the Bible um The Ten Commandments is in Exodus 20. So, and it gives a lot of other different things that's pertaining to the law of um, what God wants for us. So, in the New Testament, it is written in Greek. And so, you find the Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament. Those are the four Gospels. And so when you're analyzing the Bible and you want to understand, okay, so God, if you look at the word God, God is mentioned many times in the Bible. So for instance, let's look up the word God, for instance. So the word God is mentioned in the Bible 3,893 times. So that's how many Bible verses that actually contains the word God in there. So it's three thousand eight hundred and ninety three and so you look on on all of these here you have several different there are so many different names of God right there are about seventy nine different names here that I'm just looking at over here um, where they're talking about the original words of God so the first word is Elohim um, that that means God, but it's God in the ordinary sense, but specifically used in the plural. Thus, especially with the article of the Supreme God, it can be occasionally occasionally applied by the way of difference with magistrates, and sometimes as a superlative or angels exceeding exceeding gods. Right, so we see that Elohim. That's what the Elohim means. Um, so now we see uh, Jehovah. Right. And so this is uh Strong's number three zero six eight. Um it's actually zero three three. I'm sorry, zero three zero six eight. Um, but you're gonna denote the zero because you don't have to actually look at the number in front of um uh the uh zero. You don't have to include that, so you denote the number zero, and so Jehovah it means self-existent or external, it means Jehovah, Jewish national name of God, Jehovah the Lord. And so you can also compare these uh, Strong's numbers to uh, 3050 and also 3069. And so what this means is that there are 79 different meanings and 79 different names to God. And so um, it is mentioned 3,893 times in the Bible. And so it's basically is interpreted from the hebrew and also from the greek which is in the new testament and it's so important to be able to understand that the hebrew scrolls is going to define the word or the name god as something different than what the greek describes it as okay and so it's so important for us as believers in christ to be able to understand that we should be looking at the strong concordance when we want to dive deeper into the word of god and so going back to the original um the original word that i wanted to talk about was pain and so um here here is the word pain is mentioned in the bible 24 on at 24 different 24 different instances when the word pain was mentioned in the bible so we see it starts at the book of job and it ends in micah um so Let's see how many different names. So we see 11 different names for the word pain. All right. So that's 11 different meanings. And so this is all, this would be all, um, let's see. Hold on one second. Okay. So this would be mainly all consistent of the old Testament. So it's like three verses that were talked about pain. And so let's look in Revelation 21 and 4. And, and so it says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. So pain is Strong's number 4192. It is pronounced... Ponos ponos and basically it means toil or implication anguish and pain So this is when people are like sort of angry, right? They they're angry to the point where they are feeling hurt and they're having pain So that's what this word means ponos its strong's number four one nine two But if we look at a different if we look at a different um Strong's numbers for pain you can go to a uh, Nehemiah In chapter 2, verse 10, it says, I think that's Nehemiah. One second. Nehemiah 2 and 10. So, no, it's not. It's, It's... Nahum, um, chapter 2, verse 10. And so we're going to go there. And so we see there at, um, in chapter 2, verse 10, it says, She is empty and void and waste. And the heart melted and the knees smite together. And much pain is in all her loins. And the faces of them all gather blackness. So, this is Charles number 2479, which is a feminine word um and it is pronounced kokaklo kokaklo or kokaklo lao kokakla lao. I think it's pronounced kokaklo. Let me see how you pronounce this word. I'm trying to pronounce it and sound like I'm pronouncing it right. Pronounce this word here. It's K. I think it's pronounced Ko Law. Cole Law or something like that. Maybe it's pronounced that way. Okay. Ka. It said Ka, right? But that's the, just all it says. So this this should be called kol- call let's see how you. i is i'm gonna think a way to pronounce it pronounced call ka law call callo law call, 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 call. so what this strong's numbers means is wording and childbirth by implication terror pain so this basically saying that she had pain when she having her pain during childbirth so it says she is empty and void and waste and the heart melted and the knees smite together and much pain is in all her loins and the faces of them all gathered blackness so this word pain in the word pain and revelation means something different right so if we go to a different um bible verse so let's go to um isaiah 66 and 7 um it says before she traveled sh- travailed before she travailed, she bought forth Be her, before her pain came, she was delivered of a man child. And so look at this. This word means kabil. Kabil. It is strong's numbers 2256. And what this means, a rope, especially a measuring line by implication, a district or an inheritance or a noose. Figuratively a company as if tied together. Also a throw um ruin band, coast company court country destruction line um portion region so we see that the word pain here means something different than it does in the other two scriptures right so it's so important to be able to understand that the word pain in isaiah 66 and 7 and the word pain in uh nahum um chapter uh 2 verse 10 and also in the book of revelation 21 and 4 means something completely different okay so even though the bible mentions the word pain in 24 different instances it means something different entirely in 11 of those different verses so the word pain has 11 different meanings and so that's what we can gather from that so it's so important To be able to make sure that you're not just looking at the word of God and say, okay, well, this is just pain and this is all it means. So the pain in revelation, it is basically um, pain to the point where you're angry. Toil, that's anger type of pain. The pain in the home is the pain that is like during um, uh, childbirth right this is great terror and terror type of pain it's so so much that's what it says worthy basically in childbirth um and so the pain in the word um in the book i'm sorry in the verse isaiah 26 and 17 this is pain where it just talks about pain that's tied together like it's an inseparable pain right And it's figuratively so it it just means like it's just it's tied together and so it hurts right and um so you have to just understand that the Bible is so significant the Bible is so significant that it has so many different definitions and terms of the language that's being interpreted so you have over a hundred different scholars who actually can in- interpret the hebrew scrolls into the Strong's concordance and also the greek into the Strong's concordance and then that way we can get the english understanding of what those words mean and so going back to the main reason why i wanted to talk about pain was because a lot of times when you're going through pain in life whether that be emotional, whether that be physical, whether that is psychological pain. A lot of times people don't know what psychological pain is. It's just like when your head hurts so bad because you can't stop thinking about these problems and your mind just constantly, constantly pondering and thinking about those type of things, right? And so that is what psychological pain is. And so it's so, it's so, it's crucial Actually, for you to be able to see what God is trying to show you, whether that be the anguish type of pain that you're experiencing, whether that be like some pain where it's it's feel like you're inseparable to this person the, to the point where you're tied to a situation. And a lot of times, people are tied to contracts, they are tied to investments, they are in, uh, tied in marriages right where there's infidelity there is um abuse um emotional physical verbal abuse there is um a lot of different things that that are going on where people feel like they're tied to these type of situations when in fact you're not tied to anything you know you have to understand that god will break every stronghold in your life god severs the stronghold he breaks every chain that is attached to you in any type of way to bring you down. God breaks those chains. God breaks those strongholds because that's ultimately what they are. So just because you feel tied to a house or you feel tied to this note, and now you, you don't have the money to pay, are you tied to this investment? And so it's like, ah, oh, you know, what do I do? No, you're not tied down. So, God don't want you to feel like you're tied down to these financial commitments when you are not. You are not tied. God don't want you to live in bondage. Okay? And so, that's something that we all need to understand. Um, God does not want his children living in bondage at all. Okay, And so a lot of times when you're going through these type of financial bondages or even bondage in a way where you're tied to situations that you don't even want to be involved in but somehow you found yourself involved in the situation. So let's look at at some of the Bible verses about this. So going back to um go to hebrews chapter 2 verse 14. so we're gonna go to hebrews chapter 2 verse 14. and i know my cats want to come in here hold on one second please everybody I just had to let open my door just in case my cats wanted to come in because I had to have them leave out because they'll be crawling on everything. So go to uh, Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14. It says, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death. He might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That he is the devil. So what we see here is that, um, what we see here is that the devil held the power of death. So through the death, through the death of, through the crucifixion and the sacrificial death of jesus so when jesus died he sacrificed himself on the cross and so what he did was when he died satan held the keys to death so let's look let's look at this full chapter here okay maybe i'll just look at this let's just read the whole chapter hebrews chapter 2 So that that way you all can gain a clear understanding of what's happening. And then we can talk about how this pertains and correlates directly relates to women's health. Okay. So Hebrews chapter two, it says, we must pay the most careful attention. Therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels, was binding and every violation and disobedience received its punishment pay attention to what is being said here every violation and disobedience received its punishment since the this is in verse 2 for since the message spoken through the angels was binding when angels spoke, it was binding. Woo, God just, God just gave me a revelation on this. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is so good. So, when the angels spoke, every single violation of when a person was being disobedient, they received punishment. So, in verse 3, how shall we escape? if we ignore so great a salvation listen to the salvation okay this salvation which was first announced by the lord was confirmed to us by those who heard him god also testified to it by signs wonders and various miracles And by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Pay attention to this. How can you escape salvation? When God announced it first. Then it was confirmed. By the people who were with Jesus. Basically, you see that it was confirmed to us by those who heard him not just with see jesus was there at the beginning when when god said let us make man in our image so it was the father the son and the holy spirit that is when the trinity is being mentioned when they say let us make man in our image so jesus was there at the beginning and so when you look at this scripture it says it says this in verse 3 How shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, God announced it, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. This is all the way from the beginning. This is confirmed to us through Moses, through Noah, through Abraham, All of this has been confirmed to us. God spoke to who? Abraham. God spoke to who? Moses. God spoke to who? Adam. God spoke to who? Eve. God spoke to who? Joseph. God spoke to who? God was speaking. So it was confirmed to us that those who heard him. So, people that said it that, that you know they don't believe in God, if you go to Romans 1 and 20, which I was already talking about this the other day, I talked about Romans 1 and 20. And so this is another scripture that correlates with Romans 1 and 20. But for the sake of the new people that have joined the podcast, Romans 1 and 20 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. So, if you look at our, our archaeology, the Bible is comprised of archaeology, the Bible has history. You have so many people giving an account to the record of events that took place when Jesus was walking here on earth. and so going back to hebrews chapter 2 was confirmed to us by those who heard him so it it has been confirmed specifically through the bible these are the people who are giving a record of events that's taking place because the bible is what let's go to first corinthians I'm sorry, 1st Timothy. So, the 1st Timothy. 1st Timothy 3.16. 3.16. And it says, and without controversy. Oh, well, uh, it says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of Godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. This is First Timothy 3.16. So this is without controversy. God is already saying in Hebrews Hebrews 2 that how can you escape and ignore salvation when it was first announced by the Lord and it was confirmed by those who heard him? Then you look at Romans 1 and 20. God is saying that people are without excuse because of, of God's eternal power and divine nature. Have been clearly seen. So this is saying for the whole world to be able to see it first Timothy 316 and without controversy great is the mystery of godliness so in order to fully understand god as you see the word pain has 24 different meanings to it with 11 different names that incorporates the word pain just one word pain we see that the name god has 79 different names with 79 different meanings all meaning one thing with the word being mentioned over 3893 times in the bible so 1st Timothy 3 and 16 and without controversy. Great is the mystery of godliness. It's no, it's no, oh, let me try to figure this out. Oh, let's try to figure out the people that have the Holy Spirit. They're all saying similar things, but they're all quite different. They're unpredictable. AI technology can't figure that out. No algorithm can figure out the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't buy the Holy Spirit. You can't tamper with the Holy Spirit. You can't anticipate what the Holy Spirit will do next. You have to be equipped with the Holy Spirit. You have to be a part of the body of Christ in order to know what the Holy Spirit will do. In order to know where the Holy Spirit is leading you. That can't, that can't be bought with physical funds. It can't be interfered with, with artificial intelligence. That was bought with the blood of Jesus. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he, what, what happened? Going back to the scripture, going back to Hebrews 2. Let's finish reading on in this. so so we see that salvation was announced by the lord it was confirmed to us by those who had heard him so god also testified to it by signs wonders various miracles and by the gifts of the holy spirit distributed according to his will so we see that god gives us the holy spirit and so we have gifts of the spirit when we accept the holy spirit because everyone isn't equipped with gifts of the holy spirit the holy spirit this uh distributes the gifts to people and i can tell you right now it's based on your willingness to accept god it's based on your willingness to listen to the holy spirit I can definitively say that because I'm equipped with the holy spirit so when the holy spirit it, yes he gave the Jesus Christ resurrected and on the day of Pentecost he gave us the holy spirit he gave his apostles and the, the everyone there with the they was equipped with the holy ghost that's because they believe. They accept the God. You think the religious Pharisees got equipped with the Holy Spirit? They the ones that crucified Jesus. They went around trying to tell everybody to stop preaching. Stop preaching his resurrection. Stop preaching about Jesus resurrecting. So, you think that they got equipped with the Holy Spirit? Absolutely not. No, they did not. And I know it's 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 kind of like, sometimes when you think about what the truth is, it's hard for people to accept what the truth is. When they're not used to accepting the truth. So, if you already been equipped with accepting the truth acknowledging the truth i like the truth i embrace the real i like honesty come on give it to me real be honest about it tell the truth about it so you are already accustomed to that type of lifestyle you're accustomed to that type of living so when you hear something that's truthful it's not gonna bother you it's not going to rub you the wrong way because you're not the type of person that go to work and sit up there and gossip and talk about people you're not used to being in that environment where it is not uh where it's false that's being uh said all the time false ideologies lies that's being spread those type of things is not going to entice you to be in those type of environments when you are accustomed to being around people that speak the truth. It says in the Bible that like, how can darkness live with light? It can't. So you have to understand that truth don't want to live in no darkness. The truth don't want to be, people that like the truth don't want to be around people that lie all the time it's like whoa whoa wait what did you say Like you just had a quality that just like made me oh no i don't want to be around that okay what if a person is honest and they like being truthful that means that they thorough they're probably most likely outspoken spoken and bold because you have certain qualities that are attached to being honest. So you have a, just say your quality is you like honesty. So you have an attribute of honesty, including boldness, including being outspoken, including being authentic, including being thorough, and include all of these things is attached to the truth. So you have to understand that your mental health your mental health can impact your you know like your physical health so if you are around somebody who is a liar what accompanies last you are gonna be around deceit it's most likely gonna end up with slander somebody gonna also uh be gossiping they're gonna be uh what else? Be jealous. It could lead to jealousy. Guess what? It could lead to envy. It could lead to hatred. All of those things is starting from what? A lie. A lie. Because people that embrace now now have everybody had lied before, probably most likely, yeah. You lied when you were a kid. Oh no, I didn't do that. My sister did that. She ate it. I did it. So that's just the truth. Like, if you're not thinking, come on out, let's let's be true, real saints of God, okay? So that means like be be honest and be real with yourself. I don't have I shouldn't have to explain every single thing because we all have fallen short of the glory of God. You know what you like to do on a consistent basis, right? like if you like eating chicken i'ma eat chicken consistently because i like eating chicken so i'll eat chicken every day i might eat some chicken wings then some chicken breast the next day or i might eat some jamaican jerk chicken or some barbecue chicken the following day and then some spicy cajun chicken maybe i might eat some baked chicken but when for me liking chicken i'm going to eat chicken on a regular basis this is consistent because that's a pattern that i like doing i like eating chicken so if i like you know um going shopping then i'm gonna go shopping but that's not something that i like doing so i don't like wasteful spending i'm not gonna go and spend my last money on a pair of shoes i probably would buy me a pair of shoes now um i bought a couple pair of shoes this year So now I'm I'm, I'm finding myself to get more and more disciplined. Earlier this year, I was struggling with getting rid of some stuff. But I've had most of my things, my my material, clothes and shoes for a very long time. So when it comes to wasteful spending, I don't want to do that. If I have money, I'm going to pay a bill. I don't need to get my hair done. I'm going to learn how to do my own hair. So, that's, that's the thing. Like, you're going to do the things that you like doing. So, if you like being around other people that gossip, you have to understand that when they end up slandering others, they may end up slandering you because those are the people you like being around. Just like you like going to, to the store or you like going to, you know, um, you, you like going out to eat and you like going to eat steak. So you don't eat shrimp, but you like eating steak. Okay. That's something you're going to buy when you go to the store because that's what you like. So the things that you like, you're going to have a pattern. These are going to be patterns of behaviors. So your pattern of behavior with being around truthful and honest people, what does it show in your life? See, because you are the one who would know what's going on in your life better than anyone else. So do you find yourself enjoying the company of people that are honest and, and truthful? Or do you find yourself getting in entanglements all the time? Do you find yourself always being involved in slander and other conversations about other people and their problems and all of these different things because this has a lot to do with your mental health and it's just not women's health it is women's health but it's mental health because the things that you do are also affecting your members of your household like for instance I know that, well, I don't like watching too much television and I don't like listening to secular music. So if, you know, my kids are at home and they're cutting on certain music, I'm like, okay, look, you know, we have to learn how to coexist in the house together. You know, because if you're going to be listening to that music, I don't want to hear it. So that means you have to respect me and I'm going to respect you. So we have to we have to have a level of respect in the house, even though, you know, we, we as parents, we think that because our kids are minors, that they don't have an input. They do have an input. So, oh, they're not paying no bills. They ain't got no input. That's not the way that we should be communicating with our children. We should be communicating with them. I like communicating with my kids. So, it's so important to be able to understand, okay, so why are you feeling this way? Well, what is going on? Talk to me. You know, why do you have to listen to the music that loud? So, anything outside of the norm, anything outside of the norm of your regular routine or your regular patterns of behavior is abnormal. I'm going to say it again. Cause when I say this to my kids, sometimes it go over their head. <laughs> so anything outside of your normal regular routine or normal pattern of behavior is considered abnormal behavior. So if I know my child has got it has this music blown up so loud, what's going on today with you, son? What's talk to me? So all I'm trying to what I'm trying to say here is that yes you're going to be going through things in life yes you're going to have friends but it's about the things that you like doing if you are a truthful person you're going to have a consistency of being around people that are very truthful because those are the things you like if you are a person that likes being around gossip and slander and keeping up chaos and you know you just messy whether you want to admit it or not you messy so you have to acknowledge so if i if i was to wake up and i say i want to change something in my life am i messy well let's think about it do i get my phone do my phone ring a lot Uh, and people involving me in they mess no Is my name involved in a lot of stuff? Probably yes. Because people are always talking about me. Because when they don't talk to you, they're going to talk about you. So, yes, that's true. But am I messy? Absolutely not. Do I have uncomfortable conversations with people? Absolutely yes. So, what I'm trying to say is that God's saying right here in in Hebrews chapter 2 that We cannot escape his salvation. The salvation was first announced by the Lord. This is in verse 3. How shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, so it was first announced by God. Then it was confirmed by those who heard him. Then God has testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So like, as I said, everyone isn't going to be equipped with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because everyone isn't isn't going to want to listen to what the voice of the Holy Spirit is saying. The Holy Spirit may be telling you, you know what? Do not argue and have a fight about that. And then you're going to go right ahead and you're going to go have a fight about it the holy spirit would be like you know what that girl over there screaming and yelling and cursing and she doing all type of stuff pray for her right now see and, and you probably wondering like well why would the holy spirit tell you to pray about pray about that well why wouldn't the holy spirit tell you to pray because you have to be in a you have to get into the habit of listening to the voice of the holy spirit but instead of you listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, now you want to go over there and say, Well, why is you doing all that cursing and why is you talking about her like that? You know, now you want to go over there and try to act like you could beat the girl up instead of talking to her. When really, when you go over there probably trying to start something, you might get yourself hurt. So what the point of matter, the point of the matter is this you have to understand that the holy spirit when the holy spirit is speaking to you the holy spirit wants you to be obedient but now if a person isn't being obedient with the holy spirit how are they going to get gifts of the holy spirit so when jesus when he was crucified on the cross he went he, he crucified he resurrected and he stayed on earth for 40 days. So he was crucified. He was resurrected the third day. Then guess what? He stayed on the earth for 40 days with his apostles and disciples, right? He resurrected. He ascended into heaven. And 10 days later, which is the day where we call the day of Pentecost, because the day of Pentecost means 50. Jesus was on earth for 40 days after his resurrection. And 10 days later, he sent down the Holy Spirit. So that's called the day of Pentecost. And so what you understand is that the Holy Spirit is so powerful in your walk with Christ. God literally told me that stay right there where you at. When it came to my school, I wanted to transfer so many times. It's so many things that I went through. Like I never experienced that. And then they say, you know, it's not about how you start off, but it's about how you remember things. You know, and it's like, I remember so, so many good times at my school at National Lewis University. And I just feel like I've had some good times with other students. I've had relationships with people in registrar. I've had like relationships with people in finance. When I say relationships, I mean friendships. With other librarians and everything. I used to stay in the library. I worked in student affairs. I worked in the library. I worked in registration. I worked in advising. I didn't do everything at that school. I got hired in student affairs because the supervisor, she said, you know, Deanna, you just so approachable. We want you to come and, you know, we want you to come in here and work in the student affairs but student affairs kind of had me doing too much work. <laughs> I'm like, All right. Okay. Well, like, I love doing this, but then I ended up like doing um, some stuff for the newspaper because we didn't have a newspaper at the time. And then they changed it. And we, uh, we, I had to send out emails requesting, the, um, other students to come up with the the news, the name of our newspaper. And so we came up with the name. It was a student. that came up with the name it, and we called it the national. And so at that time i was in student affairs and that was like you know like a new thing around campus oh we have a school newspaper right like we're so nerdy and everything you know and so (laughs) like some of us students we just really wanted to have different you know, activities going around. So we would make different suggestions and academic affairs. And we work with the a a um, Brisbane. He's really nice. I've always like loved him. He's always on the move and everything. But it's like, I know so many people around campus, but I just haven't been there in so long. And so it's like having to go through this online experience was, uh, it, it's, it's more of a rigorous process. And I really enjoy it because the curriculum is, I believe, is a lot more enhanced than in-person. Um, but the experience are both equivalently, they are great when it comes to the overall curriculum. And the the, the problem is, is that you, you don't remember the, those good things when you're experiencing all of these bad things with just, you know, a few professors. Because many times, some professors are abusing their power. They abuse their power because they rely on their supervisors to maintain their livelihood and their future career paths. So you have these sort of systemic type of issues where you have a professor that now is friends with their peer and they've been friends for 10 to 15 years and they're not going to go against their supervisor or their friend for a student. So it's very easy to sort of uh degrade a student or look down on a student that's that's producing very effective critical thinking. Because many times, you know, if if you have an instructor who is has a, a pattern of behavior that is biased, right? This is a pattern of biases. Then what makes you think it isn't gonna be any biases that are gonna spill off into the students? So, you know, like. I really want to deflect from that. You know, like personal thing with the professor the one-on-one thing and just look at the overall big picture. National Louis is a great school to attend. It's a private university. It's almost equivalent to DePaul University. Um they actually compete and I would say that National Louis is much better of a school than DePaul University. Um the student to teacher ratio is 1 to 10. And so it's all, it's always been great that the, just the environment, the, the atmosphere around campus has always been welcoming. And it, it allows for transparency that they always have allowed and pushed for prestige and quality in their students. So you you have that independency where you can maintain your authenticity and be yourself. While still being able to encompass new ideologies that contribute to your overall success. So I, I like it and I enjoy that. But you know, just thinking about the things of the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it's like you you want to be led by the Holy Spirit when you're going through situations. If you're being work uh, if you being led in life by this secular thinking and carnal mindedness, it's going to be very difficult for you to be able to listen to the voice of the Holy spirit. So instead of you being equipped with the Holy spirit, you out here. Now you listening to your cousin telling you to go around the corner and go fight or go beat somebody up. Or they talking about how they about to go do something bad, you know, like you, why are you listening to that? Why aren't you praying for them? Why aren't you intervening on their behalf? Why are you not standing in the gap for them? But instead, now you about to call somebody else. And now you about to gossip about your own people. Your own family. Your own friends. And so you believe in your mind that that is being led by the Holy Spirit? Absolutely not. So when people call me and they want to talk about somebody, I don't want to hear it. I'm like, you know, I think you should call her. Check on her. Make sure she okay. What you think? Because when you say you want to pray, then they be like, oh, you know, I don't want to pray when I'm drinking. So when you supposed to pray? You should pray if you drunk. You should pray when you sober. You should pray when you high. You should pray when you not high. God know you messed up. I mean, how are you going to get better if you just like, oh, God, well, I got to show up perfect for you before I, before I come, okay? You're not going to be in maturing areas that you're not maturing. Because remember, when I say perfect, perfect in the Bible, it means what? Town. And that's a Hebrew word for what it means to be mature in nature and in action. So you're not going to show up with God, always being mature. So you may come to the throne of grace and you may be in, at a, uh, learning at a elementary level. You're learning spiritually at an elementary level when you should be a full grown adult mature in your walk with Christ. But instead of you being mature, you so focused on the bad things. You can't even give God praise, About five good things that he has done for your life. Can you talk about five good things about what God has done for you? I know I can. I'm thankful to to be here to be able to fulfill the purpose and plan and will of God since I waited so long. Since Jesus Christ died on the cross for me, now it's time for me to live for him i'm so glad that my kids pray to god and that they believe in god and now they could depend on them i feel blessed to be able to send a message and say hey be encouraged be uplifted keep your head up god got you don't forget don't forget to include god in your choices and decisions i'm so glad that when i go outside i can still encourage people that i come in contact with and inspire them Because you just might be the only encouragement that they see or that they have heard. So I'm glad that I could be an inspiration in other people's life. And and the fifth thing, I'm just glad to be able to talk to God. That's the most important thing, even though I mentioned it last. That's the most important. Because if I don't have anything in this world, long as I have a relationship with God and a communication, if I couldn't speak, I'll talk to God in my mind because I know he's still going to lead me exactly where I need to be. So if God tell you to get up, move, and this is where I want you to go, that's what you got to do. You got to get up, move, and that's where you got to go. So we supposed to say yes to God. Yes to his will. Yes to his plan. Yes to his purpose. Yes to God. Yes to however he wants you to say it. Yes to whenever he wants you to say it. But in, instead of you doing that, And you sitting up here, you calling on people before you call on God. That means you depend on those people more than you rely on God. So don't expect your circumstances to be different. Don't expect you to overcome the situation when you calling on people before you call on your creator. You sitting up here gossiping about people. You going, Now you're going to go tell them all of your business because you mad at your husband or you mad. You mad. So you're going to tell everybody your business. Instead of you getting on your knees and praying and talking to God and taking your problems to the throne of grace. That's what God wants you to do but how can the holy spirit equip you if you're not being that way you're not equipping you're not even accepting what the holy spirit is saying to you and you keep wondering why you are having all these problems in your life nothing is bad coincidence everything everything is done for the good or the purpose of them who love god and those that are called according to his his will so moving forward into verse 5 Hebrews chapter 2 verse 5 it is not to angels that he has subjected the world to about which we are speaking but there is a place where someone has testified what is mankind that you are mindful of them a son of man that you care for him you made them a little lower than your angels you crown them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet so you understand what this scripture is saying here is going back to verse five it is not to angels that he has subjected the world to about which we are speaking so what he's saying is about the things that we just talked about how can you escape or ignore a great salvation you know which which was first announced by the lord this is in verse three what well, it was confirmed by, by, um, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. Verse four says, God also testified to it by signs, wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy spirit distributed according to his will. So this is what he's talking about. This was not, it was, this was not to the angels that he has subjected the, the, it is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come about which we are speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified to these things. So basically what this is suggesting here is that the angels are the one who have said this to God. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. And putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them. But we do see Jesus. So you have to understand that in in verse 6, 7, and 8, who you think was saying all of this? It's quite obvious who was saying it okay so let, let me go to the king james version so that i can i can explain it in a way that everybody can understand okay so six seven and eight i'm gonna just read this from the king james king james version but okay i'm gonna read verse five through eight for unto the angels had he not put in subjection the world to come So he didn't, he didn't create the world for the angels. Whereof we speak. You understand? So God is not, God is not saying all this stuff for the angels. He he said, who do you think he's saying it to us? His creation, us. It isn't for the angels. Okay. So what he's confirming here is that he didn't, he did not make the world. Is not meant for the angels okay in verse 6 it says but one in certain place testified he's saying that someone has said has testified to this you understand someone is testifying to this but one it doesn't say someone it says but one so this is one referencing and who angel we were just talking about angels so that would be one angel in a certain place testify saying what is man that thou art mindful of him or the son of man that thou thou visited him well this sound like the devil okay is talking to god saying look why is you why is you so mindful of man why are you caring about man for or even a son of man that you visit him See, because Jesus, when he got crucified, what you think happened? He resurrected. Jesus was one hundred percent man, one hundred percent God. You understand? So when 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 Jesus went and he was healing people, he was using the power of God, his power. So so listen to this verse. What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visited him, thou? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels, thou crownest him with glory and honor, and did set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him, but now we see not yet all things put under him. You understand that? So let me go back to the NIV version. So basically what this is saying is yes, one did. One did talk about this. One testified to it. That's right. So what what is mankind that you are so mindful of them? And the son of man that you care for him. You made them a little lower than the angels and you crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. So in putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to him. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Now we talk about our God, Jesus. We're talking about, you know, like this this one who was who was speaking about these things in verse 6, 7, and 8, talking about Jesus. Like you hating on Jesus. You sit here, hating on mankind. Hating on man. Why you mad for a mankind? And the son of man that you care about him. That's like the enemy all the time. Why you care about her? Why you being there for her? That's why I'm, I, I feel like I'm telling you, I I know for a fact that, see, God just revealed things to me and I'll be feeling good about it. Because let me explain something to you. When Job was being tested and he lost everything, he fell to the ground, shaved his head, then what? what he fell to the ground, shaved his head, and praised God. You know, after he lost everything. And the reason why is because, see, the enemy was doing what? Bargaining over Job. So, Well, the only reason why he praising you is because you blessed him with everything. Take it all away and he going to curse you. It's the same way with what you think is going on in your life. Oh, yeah, well, just, just let them get this and let them have this. They're going to forget about who you is. Instead of praying to you, they're going to call their friends. The devil is still going outside the gates of heaven, bargaining with God over your soul. So what do you think? Did that sound like God, you know, like... The, This is the enemy talking at this point. What is mankind that you are mindful of him? There is a place where someone has testified to this. You understand? So in verse 9, but but we do see Jesus. This is in verse 9. Who was made lower than the angels for a little while. Now crowned with glory and honor. And because he suffered death so that by the grace of God... He might taste death for everyone. So instead of us having to go through spiritual death, Jesus did it for us. So we see in verse 10 and bringing many sons and daughters to glory. It was fitting that God for whom and through whom everything exists should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here I am. And the children of God has given me. Verse 14 says, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. So God shared in our humanity to show us, look, I could just be just like you. So that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. The Satan held the power of death. And so if you look at the verse going back through 6 through 8, so the 6 through 8 verse. You will be able to tell that the enemy was upset about Jesus. This is the enemy. This is Satan speaking right there in verse six, seven, and eight. What is mankind is who are mindful of them, a son, of man, and you care for him. So when you go down, you, you see and understand that we when we talk, of when it's mentioned about Jesus, but we do see Jesus. He was made Lord and all the angels for a little while. So the enemy's upset that God is a son of man that you care for him. You care for the son of man. So in verse 14, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. So you understand God does not want you to have pain. Pain is bondage, it's slavery. Don't be in slavery. Let yourself free and let it let the Holy Spirit fill you up and come into your life. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will only tell you good things. See, y'all, the flesh is at war with the spirit all the time. Like God, the God will be using the Holy Spirit to tell you, look, pray for her pray for her and then and then instead of you praying he got your phone ringing girl yeah you know what else she did today now they calling you with some more gossip and now guess what you did you didn't fell right into it girl what happened no she didn't Now you sitting up here gossiping all over again. You ain't even included God in the conversation not once. You just want to hear about what happened. So all I'm just trying to say is that, you know, we've all been there. Because usually when I hear stories, it's about people in my family and friends. Everybody want to tell me something about everybody. hear it so now I've, i've i've created this atmosphere that now my conversations i guess are pretty dry hey girl what you doing oh nothing what you cooking today i don't know probably some chicken oh okay yeah i don't know what i'm gonna make either well i was just saying what you was doing okay all right I'll call you later all right that's it I don't want to hear about what nobody else was doing how they went, why they was doing because if that's the only conversation you think you're gonna have with me we're not gonna be talking now if you want to talk about somebody and pray for for them that's fine and then you want to tell me you don't want to pray you don't, you just don't feel it you're gonna call me back then I don't want to hear nothing else that you have to say (coughs) because we have to get into the habit of praying for people and so in verse 17 it says um no i'm sorry in verse 15 it says uh and free those who their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death for surely it is not angels he helps but abraham's descendants for this reason he had to be made like them fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. And that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted, but he was able to help those who are being tempted. You see? So yes, God was tempted. God could have used his power to overthrow Satan but he didn't then people was, Oh, if you're the son of man, save yourself, save yourself. God was 100% flesh and 100% God. <laughs> so <laughs> that's just so funny somebody somebody sent me a message say i'm just waiting for you to say uh oh my mama joe oh my mama you gotta pray joe oh my mama <laughs> that is so funny no nah, look no nah, we all have to pray for real we have to pray all right that's just it So i mean i know i talk like um country a little bit or whatever but i don't try to talk slang really no so i just you know we have to understand that the atonement of our sins was given to us by christ and so because he himself suffered and he was tempted but he didn't give in to temptation okay God did not give in because he could have easily saved himself. He could have easily, you know, um took control of everything and just changed the whole trajectory of the situation. So um <laughs> that's funny though. So I wanted to just, you know, sort of shift back focus on to um trusting in God. So, you have to understand when you're going through these problems and this pain and, you know, you having like this emotional pain, emotional struggle that you're going through and you feel like people don't understand you and nobody cares and, you know, you feel like you all alone out here all by yourself. You don't feel like anyone's there to support you every time you turn around and something else going on. Understand that God is there. What is God trying to tell you? In your adversity. In your problem. In your experience of this pain that you're feeling. See, I don't think the Holy Spirit is saying, call your cousins. Just, you know, just just call them. Just call them. They're not going to be able to solve your problems. But you can solve it together if you could pray together. But if you know that you are in a in a weak stage of your life, and they're they're gonna you know draw for that, and basically they're not gonna be able to provide you with any solutions because they're thinking on a secular perspective as well. How are you gonna move forward? So you need to call on God more than you call on people quit relying on them to help solve your problems when they have failed themselves in their own life people will fail you they fail you they fail themselves so the way that you work this out is you have to include God in your choices and your decisions hear the voice of the holy spirit say God come into my heart i want my i want to be able to hear your voice make my ears sensitive to the voice of your holy spirit get on your your knees and cry out to god god will hear you he will answer you quit calling on people more than you call on god and then you expect something different to be different. you know something great to happen in your life in order to get different results you have to make a different decision Because otherwise, you'll just recycle your mistakes. And it'll just be with different people. But it'll be the same situations. That's causing you this same emotional distress. And and despair and hopelessness. And all of these different adversities. And all of this pain. Feelings of uncertainty. Lack of confidence. Lack of self-esteem. You don't need no man to validate who you are. You don't need no woman to validate who you are. Your happiness is internal. That's an internal quality. It shouldn't be attached to anything external. I don't need you to tell me that I'm beautiful. I know I'm beautiful inside and out. I'm confident because my confidence is attached to Christ. I don't need my nails done to validate that I'm beautiful, but I do like my me time, so I will have some me time and I do get my nails done. I don't need nobody to tell me, oh, see your hair is, you know, I don't need nobody to do tell me nothing about my hair. I like my hair when it's nappy or when it's done. I'm confident in myself because my confidence is attached to Christ it isn't attached to anything external so i wanted to um now shift focus here and now go back into talking about the um cancer that i was talking about yesterday okay so yesterday i was talking about what happens if you let breast cancer go untreated so we see that Having cancer go untreated, what happens is it turns into like a disease. But 75% of people survive beyond 10 years or more without treatment. So back in the, um, the, the the what is it called? I'm trying to think. Back like in the late 1400s and 1500s, there were no cures for cancer. So women and men that you know were had cancer, they just went all about their lives and it was just like they lived for many, many years. So like I said, I was um, using an analogy about this um, this PhD lady I don't remember her name, but she was doing a study in Harvard and um, in Harvard where they wanted to understand why black women didn't want to get mammograms. And it was a 71-year-old lady who didn't want anybody touching her breast. She, she told them specifically, she's had those lumps in her breast for years. And so we see with this source, which is nobreastcancer.org, we see that um, many of the women who are experiencing um, symptoms of breast cancer or have been diagnosed with breast cancer still live beyond 10 years without any treatment. So what this tells us, not just in the um, not just in that article, but let me pull up the other article. So what this tells us is that hold on, let me go over here. Okay, here we go. And we also see that in the um hold on, why is it I don't know why is it doing this? We see that it's also 80% of um older patients who had been um who had incidences of like breast lumps in their breasts that were benign. That 80% of those patients between the ages of 55 and 69 had a, a dramatic drop in breast um disorders. 80% of them. So, older women with benign disorders of the breast were more likely to have had a previous benign finding a biopsy or aspiration than younger patients. And so, what this means is that women between the ages of 55 and 69 in layman's terms is saying that yeah they had lumps when they was young but it ain't mean nothing it didn't mean anything they were all benign okay and so um so breast cancer if it is untreated it can become a fatal disease but many women survive with it being left untreated So this also depends on what you choose to believe when there is little to no data on the issue, according to the Journal of Oncology. So that's what I wanted to look at um, the Journal of Oncology here. Thank you for the love. I appreciate that. So the Journal of Clinical Oncology, they have an article which was published by um jennifer k Plichta, et al so there are several different authors so when you see the word et al it just means that it has multiple authors it has more than um two authors okay and so that's what et al means and so when you look at survival among pay, this article is, is titled survival among patients with untreated metastatic breast cancer and so what this was what the background of this um it's basically saying that treatment for metastatic breast cancer or mbc it have significantly improved survival for patients who receive treatment. yet data describing the prognosis for untreated patients is lacking do you uh, did you just hear that there is so many people in this world that have been going untreated for cancer and they have been surviving. Ding, 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 ding. Okay. So what this means, this is an article. This is uh, oncology. So when, when someone has cancer, they, they may go see an oncologist. So this is through the Journal of Clinical Oncology an American Society of Clinical Oncology journal and i have it listed on the blog it's under the journal of oncology so if you click on that link under women's health blog click on the journal of oncology you'll see this article here and so people are going untreated and what does it say describing the prognosis for untreated patients is lacking so let me explain this to you all again like the way i did yesterday pharmaceutical companies are going obsolete the thing about this well i don't really know why is so many people in and like in my community that have asked me girl you're not scared of talking about stuff like that absolutely not because you have to understand with the research that i'm doing people are so um how i'm trying to use the right word The makers of CRISPR technology are so um, filled with uh, proper English that their vocabulary cannot even go down enough to be able to spread the news and explain to the world what CRISPR technology is. They don't know how to relinquish this information to people, so they're gradually just doing whatever they want, and it's not enough discussion that is being done about this. And so, like for me, I personally I don't have like a position besides the fact that the findings show that the benefits does not the benefits does not outweigh the risk. So there are too many risks. But the main thing is, it's so important for people to be aware of these risks. You know, like when you see a commercial and they have these health commercials about medicine and they say, hey, you know, take this medicine is going to cause you dizziness, ulcers, stomach ulcers, radiation, including headaches and vomiting and nausea. It could also cause pain in your abdomen or diarrhea. So you hear all of these side effects and you still choose to take the medicine similarly or correlation of the, the way that this is correlated is CRISPR technology has risk and the risk currently does not outweigh the, 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 benefits does not outweigh the risk. It's important for people to be aware of what is going on. That's the main goal for me. It's about maintaining ethics. And making sure that you are aware of what CRISPR technology can ultimately do to the body. Now, are there going to be people in the world who is still wanting to, you know, want to, you know, utilize CRISPR? Yes. Are there going to be a lot of people like, no, 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 no? Absolutely yes. They're going to be no. I don't want that. Okay. So you're going to have support, and then you're going to also have people who are who disagree with the makers of CRISPR technology. But God wants us to be able to have a choice. See? You understand that? You have a choice. Because God is going to continue to warn you. He's going to warn you. He's chasing you. He's warning you again. God is warning you through another person. He's warning you to do another person. He's constantly speaking to you through the power of the Holy Spirit. God is warning you again he warning you do that person he warning you do another one he warning you about this and he warning you about that so god warns us he helps us he used the holy spirit through other people including ourselves if you're equipped with the holy spirit to speak to you on a continuum basis so what i'm trying to say is i know yesterday and god god got on me through the holy spirit last night I was laying down going to sleep and the Holy Spirit said, you know, you didn't have to say it that way. And I was like, well, which part did I say? And so the Holy Spirit said, when you said that, well, what you do with your body has nothing to do with me. When I said that yesterday. And so I just wanted to apologize about saying that. I wanted to say that I really did not mean to say it in that tone or that way i did not mean to say okay well whatever you do with your body is just you it's just due to legality reasons i don't want to be responsible if you're taking apricot seeds and you're taking the wrong dosage your your body mass index can play a key role on the amount of apricot seeds that you're taking so say for instance if you're a very petite person and you're taking um 15 apricot kernels all at once for your first time that isn't something that you want to do you want to start out usually people start out taking them gradually so they'll take like maybe two or three and then increase it like three to five five to six six to six to eight six to nine from nine to ten they gradually increase it they don't take it all at once like that so i can't necessarily say if this is okay for you to take i don't know what other medication that you're taking i don't know um you know so i don't know that i'm not your primary care physician which is why i said that i didn't want to be you know responsible with giving you medical advice because i can't do that legally i can't and so it's important for everyone to seek the advice of your primary care physician and if they if they're telling you you know, don't take apricot kernels because of the vitamin B seventeen. Well, I posted. I believe that I posted the reviews for apricot kernels, um, because I did when I posted the article of the um, herbal medicine versus uh, traditional medicine. So it's so important for you all to just know that if you're gonna go on this journey with living a healthy lifestyle. We see from this article that there are patients that go untreated and there is a lack of evidence, a lack of research on these patients. They are surviving. Okay, so there, the, let's finish reading. Therefore, we sought to assess the survival outcomes of patients with de novo NBC who did not receive treatment. So MBC is the metastatic uh, metastatic breast cancer. So when you hear me say MBC, that's what it's pertaining to. So basically what it says is that the adults with this um, MBC at diagnosis were selected and um, they were selected between 2010 and 2016. And so they use a stratified based on receipt of treatment. So it looks like they use a stratified sampling. That's really good. I wanted I wanted to use that in my research, too. Um, So basically they that they had people that were treated. They received at least one treatment and people that were untreated received no treatments. And so the differences between the patient groups were tested using the um, Chi-square test. So the Chi-square test is for categorical uh, variables and the T-test for continuous variables um all it basically means is that is they have um variables that continue on it's just it's continuous so overall the survival was estimated using the Kaplan-Meier method for the overall cohort and stratified by select patient and or disease characteristics that's really good so uh basically they had a random sample out of the random sample of people, just say they took, just say they took. Well, actually, they had 50,000, 53,000 people. So they, so let's say, out of the fifty-three thousand people, they literally had five hundred thousand. So, out of five hundred thousand patients, they analyzed two hundred thousand. So they randomly selected two hundred. I'm just giving this. I'm just throwing out a number here because I'm trying to explain what stratified sampling is. So you you have five hundred thousand patients. Then all of a sudden it's broken down into two hundred thousand. So they randomly select patients. It could be based off upon the disease characteristics. Is this is the way that they said that they selected the patients. So they selected them based out upon their disease. So let say they selected an additional 200,000. The 300,000, they weren't discarded, but they just were not included in the study. And so now they broke that 200,000 down to 53,000 patients. And so that's basically stratified sampling it allows you to break down your sampling size further and further and further and what stratify does it allows for the accuracy of uh it provides more accurate um, findings of your data okay it sort of minimizes results by um uh you know in case the results could be have different outliers Uh, or but that's that's going into statistics i was just trying to explain to you all the the basics so their sampling size they had more patients than what is actually being spoken about but what they're doing is analyzing a smaller portion of those patients collectively and they were able to to basically analyze it with more of accurate with more of a high accuracy of findings right because that that's basically what stratified sampling does and so um they basically did that based off of the disease characteristics of the patients. Okay. And so the results were of the 53,000. Thank you so much for the love. I appreciate that. So out of the 53,240 patients with NBC, the median age was 61 and the majority had a core, a comorbidity score of 81%. Um, So 49,000, which is 92% received at least one treatment and 4200 which is about 7.9 percent had no documented treatment so about roughly over four thousand of them and so the untreated patients were between the ages of 61 and 68 years old um patients with untreated mbc were more likely to have triple negative disease and a higher disease burden. So 38% untreated versus 29% treated. So the median unjusted OS in the untreated subgroup was about two and a half months versus three 36 months in the treated subgroup. For those who survived at least one month post-diagnosis, the median unjusted OS in the untreated subgroup was 6.9 months versus 37.3 in the treated group so this increased to 18.6 months and 40.3 months for those who survived at least three months post diagnosis so in the untreated population the unadjusted varied by breast cancer subtype so they list the types and then they say a number of metastatic sites which was 44.1 months for one site versus 1.8 for two sites and so they basically have a higher tumor grade and triple negative tumor subtype while the number of metastatic sites was not associated with survival so these same findings were also noted when the analysis was limited to those who survive at least one month post diagnosis the conclusions are patients with de novo mbc who do not receive treatment are more likely to be older and present with Cormabid conditions and have clinically aggressive disease so similar to those who who do receive treatment survival in an untreated population is associated with select patients and disease characteristics however the prognosis for untreated mbc is dismissed the uh dismal. decimal so what that means is that people that are treated they have a higher rate in older patients of survival people that are untreated they have a lower rate of for survival so it's basically like decimal differences it's not that big of a difference um and so these are for patients matt remind you now these are just specifically for patients that were between the ages, the median age was 61 to 68 years old. Okay. So you have to consider that. Now, if they were to somebody else needs to do another study. And, and so this, this is when it becomes so interesting because if you are not between those ages and you're not suffering from multiple, you know, like diseases or illnesses, that could be a key indicator to influence your survival rate. So you know we don't know what other medications is influencing that person's ability to you know maintain a uh, better health than compared to someone who isn't having other diseases multiple diseases. So you have to understand that that's what this um study is saying that people that had aggressive diseases they had sort of like a um a higher rate of um of treatment they needed they had treatment and so although they lived a little longer it was decimal compared to the people that were untreated that's what it means so that's that's basically what that means and um you know we we want to just look at all of that you have to take everything into consideration when it's coming to your health so Basically, what I wanted to say was, um, let's see here. So we see that breast cancer, if it is untreated, it becomes a fatal disease. But many women do survive with it being left untreated, and this depends on what you choose to believe. When there is little to no data on the issue, according to the Journal of Our Oncology. However, many women they can survive without treatment forever whereas some may survive up to five years without treatment without treatment according to no breastcancer.org so some people they could just survive however long to like the normal age of you know uh average age of death which is between 74 and 72 years old so the issue right now is that do you support the idea that it can be possible to survive breast cancer without big pharma? So this is what I wanted to to uh, to show you all. So here is another article that talks about um, big pharma is making sixty five thousand dollars a minute because they profit soar basically from vaccine monopolies. So you're going to remember that big pharma, they need sick people in order to supply them with medicine. The ideology is that, is it unethical to be operating these big pharma organizations that rely on sick people without providing them with all of the information that they need in order to have longevity and survival. So you have all of these unethical. Um, implications and risk factors so the the main thing here is that big pharma is really going obsolete okay um during COVID I talked about this already in recent months that during COVID you have the um, CRISPR technology that had invented the data um I'm sorry the CRISPR diagnostic tool they also I'm sorry the COVID diagnostic tool that had was generated from CRISPR technology. Thank you for the love. I appreciate that. So then you also have CRISPR who uh work with Moderna, work with Johnson and john no not Johnson and Johnson, work with AstraZeneca, work with Pfizer. And CRISPR created all of those vaccines. Literally and CRISPR it is in the business of cutting and splicing the DNA. So it's not just in humans, but also in livestock and plants as well. When you think about big pharma, big pharma is going to be replaced with CRISPR technology. CRISPR technology is now integrating itself into all of the big pharmaceutical companies so regular medicine is actually being improvised through the utilization of crispr technology and so you have all of these different things that's happening with crispr technology that you need to be aware of and so medicine as you know it is actually really about to be switched over into the technological um advances utilizing CRISPR technology so like i said before if you choose to allow yourself to indulge in these type of you know um medicines that's between you and god the point of the matter is is that the world should be aware of what's happening and so there are too many ethical implications and risk factors that are embarking on the, um, the civil liberties that should be maintained in society. And so that, that is one issue for me. And so, um, I just want to let you all know that it's so important to understand that cancer is just like any other thing out here where when you get sick you need to just rely on god if you believe in god and like truly believe that god is going to give you the wisdom and knowledge that you need in order to sustain there is no reason why they have so much talk and discussion about untreated patients with cancer but there is not any statistics that are really going around about it why isn't this prevalent in society with so many people having cancer i remember prior to uh 5g technology we we were talking about actually on one of my other articles i talked about 5g technology have we have actually went from using four to six gigahertz of radiology uh, radiation in the water so now that we're using between 60 and 120 gigahertz of radiation in the water to utilize 5g network and so what that causes is there was an article actually that i have here i think it was this uh, i'm trying to think about which article it was i think it was um it yeah i think i i think it was the one that i talk about um life where's the instruction manual I think that that's the article that is under so there was a um there was an article that I took from the website that I found where it talked about the FBI had did a study on um, radiation and what it did to people so you all can go back to that article but um let's see if I could get to it. I don't think i'm gonna have enough time because we're about to end i'm already at the two hour mark so um so today's tuesday i'm closed on wednesday but i will see you all tomorrow i'm not tomorrow uh, i'll see you all on thursday and so thursday we could finish up this conversation and remember if you wanted to suggest a topic please do go ahead and send me an email send me an email to Health at suddenchangescorporation.org or you can contact me directly at deanna watson at suddenchangescorporation.org let me go ahead and pray so father god we just come boldly before your throne of grace we thank you so much for just allowing us to receive your word today god you allow us so much so much of your presence god it means so much to us so we ask that we want more you give us more you god Give us more of understanding you, God. Allow us to have a better relationship with you. And allow us to walk in the fulfillment of you, satisfying you, pleasing you, God. And we want to live a life that's favorable in your eyes. So remove barriers and obstacles out of our life and our path that that have been trying to disallow us from moving forward in our walk with you and in our righteousness, Father God. So we just thank you right now. We give you glory, praise, and honor. And most importantly, we ask that you allow your will to be done in our life. Thank you so much, God, for being you in our life. Thank you for maintaining integrity. We appreciate you and we thank you, God. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is sealed in your atonement blood. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for Uh, joining. Yep, amen. What's up, man? How are you? Good? I'm all right. I'm good, stars. I'm going to call you in a little while. Okay, okay, I hear you. All right, now. Well, y'all have a good night. I'll talk to you all on Thursday. Be blessed. Don't forget to be blessed.